0: I believe in a great many things. For example, I've always enjoyed learning about astronomy, and so I believe a number of things about stars and planets. But these beliefs don't have very much impact in my life because I don't really do anything with them other than maybe have the occasional conversation with somebody else who likes astronomy. I believe that the Washington Nationals are a pretty good baseball team. They have a beautiful stadium, and And then unless Bobby Combs is there, that I will enjoy watching them in person. She's a Braves fan, we had a bad experience last Saturday. (laughs) This belief has a lot more impact on my life because I am willing to buy tickets up to two times a year and take Colin with me. So clearly this is a level of belief well beyond in terms of the impact. Then there's gravity. I am absolutely passionate in my belief about gravity. I, when I am on a ladder or a rooftop or the edge of a cliff, my passion almost overwhelms me. <laughs> I am so fired up about gravity that if I saw a kid wandering dangerously close to the edge of the Grand Canyon, I'd probably get involved. I'd probably do something to save her from falling off the side of the, of the cliff. So here we have three things. There's planets, there's the Washington Nationals, there's gravity. I believe in all of these three things. I have no doubts about them. And yet the degree to which these beliefs move me to action varies widely. I mean, I'll barely lift a finger about planets. I'm I'm willing to spend a few bucks and join other Nats fans twice a year. But I'd literally dive into action because of gravity. We are continuing our series this morning on living by grace, and today we come to what is probably the most fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And the question I want us to consider this morning as we look at this text and consider these truths is not simply whether we believe it, I recognize that most of us here do, but do we believe it? Does our belief drive us to genuine action, or is it merely something we like to get together and talk about with other fans on a regular basis? Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Paul proclaims, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This truth, the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a crucial difference between Christianity and just about every other religion on earth. As believers in Jesus Christ, Scripture teaches us that we have received a gift, a gift that we desperately need because only the gift of God saves us while the good works of mankind can't save anyone. As the significance of these truths soak into our souls, I pray that we will each agree that receiving God's gift compels us to share it. Let's consider each of these statements in turn. First, the passage is absolutely clear that the gift of God saves us. Verse 8 begins, "For by grace you have been saved through faith." This of course is Christianity 101. But it is a truth that we should carefully consider as often as possible. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is so critical. I actually want to to split it up and look at each portion of this good news so we can understand just how good the good news is, by grace, he begins, grace is defined as favor or kindness shown without regard to worth or merit of the person who receives it, and in spite of what that person deserves. All right, this is biblical grace. Did you, did you catch all that? that? That the grace that we have been talking about and celebrating for the past three weeks is favor or kindness shown towards us without any consideration of whether we're worth it or we deserve it. In fact, grace is never what we deserve or earn. Because as verse 8 continues, grace is the gift of God. You don't earn gifts. You receive gifts. Grace is a gift from God that we receive at a time when we are actively working against Him. When we are often hating Him. When we are deserving nothing from Him but His rightful anger. Romans 5.8 explains that the gift of grace was given while we were in rebellion against God. But God shows His love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If we think in terms of what we deserve, right? Americans love to think in terms of what we deserve. We deserve the punishment of God. Because we've each sinned, and at the time that God's grace found us, we were each addicted to sin. We deserved God's anger, but instead we received His love and His grace. And not because of anything special about us, but because that's who God is. He is a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We don't deserve grace. Let me be very clear. You don't deserve grace. And neither do I. That's what makes it grace. Each of us is naturally drawn to things that appeal to our eyes and to our our minds and to our bodies, and and even as they are luring us away from God and degrading us and and hurting those around us and, and damaging us, we are drawn to these things. And before we received the grace of God, even when we would have a moment of clarity, we would recognize our failures, and, and we, would, we would, what would we do? We'd, we're basically okay people, right? So we would vow to do better. We would double and triple our efforts to do better, uh, to, do, to be good people. But eventually our willpower would always crumble. And we would commit the same old pathetic sins in the same old pathetic ways. And we would just feel worse and worse about ourselves. Even once we receive the grace of God, even as believers, we still struggle at times with compulsions and attitudes and attractions and interests that don't honor God, that don't obey his desire for us to flourish and to bless those around us. And so though we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, we, we have a new heart and a new nature, our old nature with Paul calls the old man, hangs around and tries to drag us away from obeying Jesus as we should. We don't deserve grace. We we didn't deserve it before we believed and we don't deserve it today. Yet God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gift. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, for your sin, and for my sin, by grace, you have been saved. I want you to note the wording of that phrase, you have been saved. This is the English translation of a grammatical structure that describes an event that took place in the past, that has ongoing impact. So, If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been saved. There was a specific moment in your life that you were saved, but it has ongoing impact. It describes who you are today, your current status. You are saved. What does saved look like? It looks like all your sins being forgiven, all your shame being washed away. By like being raised to eternal life in the presence of God in heaven. It looks, looks like ongoing salvation. That we remain saved even when we inevitably fail and give in to temptation. But that there is grace for us because we have been saved. And God forgives us when we turn away from that sin and ask His forgiveness. The Apostle John was very realistic about who And what we are, he he set the standard for us very clearly, but he also knew about reality for us. And so 1 John 2, 1 assures us, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Right? That's the goal. That's the standard. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. This is the ongoing provision of grace by which we live every single day, In Jesus Christ. We've been saved on the basis of grace. Not on the basis of working hard. Not on the basis of being a good person. Not on the basis of coming to church every Sunday, though I'm certainly glad you're here. Not on the basis of teaching Sunday school. Helping with VBS. Serving as a deacon. Tithing or being a pastor. Those are all good things, but they don't save us. We are saved on the basis of God's infinite love and mercy alone. We are saved by grace. Now, how is this possible? How can a just and holy and righteous God possibly make our sin and shame and and horrible acts and shameful regrets just disappear like that and still be just? Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. I read to you Romans 5.8 earlier, but let me now add verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. That's how it works. We are justified. We are made right with God, though we do not deserve it, by the blood of the perfect, the holy, the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ. Christ's sacrifice on the cross, so excruciatingly painful. If you were here for the Case for Christ movie or if you've read the book, you you know the details. It goes into such detail of what he did for us. So bloody, so torturous. This is what we're going to gather around the Lord's table in just a moment to remember. And we will recall that out of his great love and mercy, Jesus voluntarily chose to take this path, to to suffer one of the most horrifying deaths imaginable, to pour out his blood for our sin, to give his body over to be broken so that all who believe in him shall receive the gift of God. But to receive that gift, to receive salvation, we must believe For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith alone in Jesus Christ saves us. It is through faith that we receive forgiveness by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Paul explains this in Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Every believer in Jesus Christ is justified. That means they are declared not guilty of the many sins for which we are very clearly have committed. We are justified by faith. That's verse 1. Every believer in Jesus Christ receives access to God's grace, which we have been celebrating His infinite grace for three weeks now but it is only through faith in Jesus Christ. That's verse 2. This is why Jesus was so direct and so clear in John fourteen six. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ is the gift of God. And this is a very good thing. Because God, the good works of mankind, can't save anyone. That's the message of the latter parts of verse 8 and verse 9. Go ahead and advance to the next slide. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Your salvation is not cannot never will be your own doing it is not cannot never will be the result of doing good deeds now we most of us here know this in our in our head right but it still challenges us in our hearts so much to truly accept it because we love to rely on our good works If I just run myself ragged at VBS, I'm a little more holy, and I'm going to be good. I saved myself. No. (laughs) And almost from the time, if you've spent time around a toddler, right, almost from the time a toddler learns to talk, they start shouting, I do it myself. Right? Every parent's favorite and unfavorite phrase at the same time. This is the approach we try to take towards our own salvation. I do it myself. Good works help us in a lot of places. They help us succeed in school. They help us succeed in the workplace. They often help us succeed in relationships. And and so they work so well in so many different arenas that we desperately want them to work for our salvation because then we control our salvation. We humans want it so badly, we've made good works the basis of every other major religion on earth. Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Mormonism, all rely on good works. Even if you're not a formal ism, and you just subscribe to the great American pseudo-religion, and I've heard this so many times, that approach to salvation says, well, I'm a good person, I'm more good than bad. That should get me to heaven, right? This is, I think, the great American approach to not quite real religion. And it's a lie. The thing that this is, right? Nobody ever wants to point this out. This is actually the ancient Egyptian myth that at death, your heart is going to be weighed. And if it weighs less than a feather, you're going to get a good afterlife. Right? As a civilization, we've really progressed a long way in 3,000 years. I actually think the Egyptians kind of understood the problem, right? They weigh your heart and all the mess you've done against a feather and determine where you stand. They, just, they didn't have a solution for the problem. Because even if you think you're pretty good, that, hey, you're a good husband and father, you're a loving wife or mother, you're a perfect model employee, you're a, a great student, you're an obedient child. You're a tither or a deacon, a Sunday school teacher or a preacher. Guess what? You are not good enough for the perfect creator of the universe. I know that my sin-loving heart weighs more than a feather. And so does yours. Salvation can never be by works. Being a good person is never enough to enter God's presence. Before we accept Christ, even our good deeds are tainted, because so often, if you look back and think about why did I do that thing, right? Usually, there's a there's a coating of either self righteousness or martyrdom or both, and what that coating is covering is a rotten core of selfishness, self promotion, and a desire for praise. But as believers in Jesus Christ we embrace God's good news. Even when we were in the depths of our sin, we we recognized it and and grabbed a hold of it. Listen to Paul's words as he journeys from the depths of human depravity to the the very heights of God's grace in Romans 3, 23-25. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Let us never forget that as we get our life together in a way that we think is really good, we are not redeemed and raised because of who we are or what we do. We have nothing to boast or brag about our holiness, our righteousness, our virtue. Instead, we are redeemed and raised because of who God is and because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. <laughs> now, most of us here have known this for years, so you might be thinking, Brian, why are you telling me this stuff? Why don't you tell me some like, really complicated passage that's super hard to understand? But my question this morning is, do you truly believe that your salvation has nothing to do with how good you are or how hard you work? Or how many things you do around the church. Or how many things you do out in the community. And that it has everything to do with the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Do you truly believe that no one will ever enter God's presence except by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? This is the message of the passage today. Do you really believe it? And then do you believe it the way I believe that Mars is a red planet with gravity about one-third that of Earth? Like, that's a great fact, and it has zero impact on my life. Do you believe it like I believe the Nationals are worth watching in person? You'll show up occasionally, spend a few bucks, cheer for the home team, and then talk with other fans about it. Sometimes that's what we try and do on Sunday mornings, isn't it? Or do you believe it like you believe in gravity when you see a toddler racing towards the edge of a cliff? Do you believe it's the most critical life and death decision and truth you have ever believed? Do you believe that you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as the gift of God, and that you are saved from an eternity of separation from the loving God of the universe who created you and longed to be in relationship with you? Do you believe that you were saved from an eternity in hell? A place that we don't have a lot of specific details about, but Jesus talked about quite often. And what he said about it was never good. Do you believe that every single person that you encounter who hasn't put their faith in Jesus Christ is like a toddler teetering crazily at the edge of a cliff? Ignorant of gravity, but in no way immune from its effects. Jesus was clear. Receiving God's gift compels us to share it. Jesus didn't come to give us a comfortable life and a a pretty church building and a bunch of friends at church. Luke 19, 10 is explicit. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Christ was passionate for us. He was passionate for you. He died for you. And He calls us to be passionate about those for whom He is passionate. Those who are lost, who do not know Him. Christ commanded the church to make disciples, to share the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Him. It's in each of the Gospels, it's in the book of Acts. Mark 16, 15 commands, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Over and over again, Jesus told us to use the time well between the time when he left and the time of his return to build God's kingdom, to proclaim the gospel, to invest and share the gifts we've received from him. And we must, as individuals and as a church, be reaching out with the good news. Today's passage is the beating heart of the gospel. By grace, you have been saved through faith. We've received the greatest gift in the history of the world, and it compels us to pass it on. And I know this can make us uncomfortable. Our culture doesn't approve. It, it simply wants us to coexist Right? Which means, shut up! We don't want to risk friendships or comfortable work situations for the sake of the gospel, but, but everyone around us, everyone around you who is not yet trusted in Jesus Christ is charging towards the edge of a cliff. And we don't know, right? Eventually gravity is going to take over and we don't know the moment when that is going to happen. It could be today. It could be 10 years from now, it could be 80 years from now. We don't know and they don't know, but gravity will eventually take over. Every person who doesn't know Jesus, whether they're a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a loved one, or a complete stranger is standing on the edge of eternity with no hope and no escape. This is about something even bigger than life and death. Do you truly believe that? If so, then we need to break out of our comfort zone and our habits and our silence. We need to live by grace, and that doesn't just mean enjoying our salvation and receiving God's provision for our daily support and walk through life. It means working hard to pass that gift on to others. We've received the greatest gift of all, right? Forgiveness for our most disgusting and revolting and disgraceful sins. We have received cleanness no matter how filthy we once were. We are raised up no matter how deep we've sunk. Restored to life no matter how spiritually dead we were. If we truly believe this, how can we keep it to ourselves? How can we stand by silently and watch people walk off a cliff? If you truly believe this, then in just a moment we are going to gather together as a body. And and what we have is for you then. We're going to gather around the Lord's table. We're going to celebrate the very sacrifice that made God's gift possible. As Christians have done for centuries, we're going to unite as one body to observe the Lord's Supper, just as Jesus instructed. So as we gather, please understand what we gather to remember. We remember the price Jesus paid for our freedom. The price Jesus paid for our new life. The price Jesus paid for the gift of God given to us by grace through faith. We gather to remember our beloved Savior who never sinned, not even once, and yet He died in agony on a Roman cross. We remember His body nailed to that cross, tortured, broken, struggling for breath. We remember His blood poured out to establish an entirely new covenant with us. One based not on on us doing our our very best. A new covenant between our loving and just Father and our feeble, sin-loving selves. A covenant based on God's grace and mercy, not simply rules and our own flawed good works. By grace we have been saved through faith in the crucified and risen Son of God, Jesus Christ. Do you believe? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, what an amazing thing you have done. That while we are in the depths of our mess, you sent your son forward to suffer and die, that we could be freed from this prison we put ourselves into by sin. Lord, I pray that you will help us to truly believe this in a way that changes the way we, we live our every day and that compels us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray, amen.